meditators today we're going to break down lessons from the best traders in history from these we're going to extract the strategies that they use to beat the market and achieve their own success as well as specific insights that you can apply into your own trading to become better and more profitable most of what I've learned that's managed to accelerate my growth as a trader has been through mentors or books. And this method of studying allows you to learn from the mistakes of others instead of making these mistakes yourselves. So it's hugely beneficial and smart way to go about learning. To stay one and up to date with the crypto markets, don't forget to sign up and get six free market meditations newsletters a week. You'll find a link in the description below. I am your host, Karush AK, and this is the Market Meditations Podcast. We chat with fascinating people from around the world to figure out how they've built wealth. Learning from the successes and mistakes of others is an essential part of any trader's journey. Uh, in this episode, we're going to dissect some of the greatest traders in history, and in doing so, provide you with actionable insights that you can apply to your own trading. We're going to start by talking about Ray Dalio, someone I'm sure most people have heard of. He is the founder of the biggest hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater Associates, which manages around $140 billion in assets. His own personal net worth is $16.9 billion, and he's written a fantastic book titled Principles, where he outlines a five-step process designed to help you achieve your goals. So let's dive into these five steps and see we can extract some actionable insights. Uh, the first step is to have clear goals. Uh, how can you possibly be deliberate with your actions if you have no idea where you're trying to get to? And uh, a lot of people don't understand the importance of the uh, clarity behind your goal. For example, if you set the goal that you're trying to increase your income, then uh, whether you increase your income by 1% or 100%, you will have accomplished this goal. However, if your goal is to um, increase your income by $10,000 this year, it's a simple, clear goal. And if you increase your income by $5,000, you'll know that you got somewhat close to it. Whereas if you increase your income by $20,000, you'll know that you completely exceeded your goal. Uh, so spend some time thinking about uh, what you want from life. Is it financial freedom? Uh, so you can do whatever you want. Uh, are you trying to support your family? Uh, do you want to buy a Lamborghini? Whatever it is, <laughs> write down your goal. Find a clear, specific target you're trying to get to to accomplish this goal. Step two. Now that you've set your goal, you need to identify the problems that stand in your way. For every goal you have, there are going to be problems that stand in your way. Some unpredictable, but many are predictable. For example, existing time commitments, lack of consistency, or a lack of skills. Think about your goals and envisage your route getting there. What are the predictable roadblocks that will almost certainly come up? Now that we've identified these roadblocks, we can move on to step three. Accurately diagnose these problems to get to the root of their causes. To leverage the previous given examples, if you have existing time commitments, then it's pretty easy to get to the root cause of this. Um, are these time commitments essential? For example, let's say you have an existing time commitment where you watch Netflix for two hours every single night. Is this a necessary time commitment or can it be removed? 
a lack of consistency can be due to many reasons. Uh, you may actually hate some of the things you're doing, therefore struggle to stay consistent with them. You may lack willpower and discipline, and you need to start cultivating these. Also, the final problem, a lack of skills. Well, you need to identify which skills you are lacking right now. Are you trying to build a DeFi protocol, but you have absolutely no coding skills? Or do you have the coding skills, but you've got no idea how to manage a team and um, progress the project? Step four, design plans that will remove the problems that are stopping you reaching your goal. Obviously, there's going to be a varying level of difficulty uh, with each problem. Uh, however, one thing which always motivates me is, uh, I like to think to myself, is there someone in history or in the world right now who has overcome this problem uh, that has it worse than me right now? Uh, to leverage a fitness goal, I always complain that genetically my shoulder strength is a little bit weak, so it's been extremely difficult to get my handstand push-up. However, I also have seen someone with one arm who can perform a handstand push-up. So every time I think of any excuse I might have, I just think of someone in a worse situation than me that's managed to put it off, and that motivates me, then it's possible, and the only thing stopping me is whether or not I'm willing to put in the effort. So now that we go through this filter, which makes 99.9% .9 of these problems solvable, uh, we need to put in an actionable plan. So uh, say your main problem is a lack of consistency, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, a plan to go against this would be identifying the root cause first and say your root cause is willpower. You just do not have enough willpower uh, to do these things when the end of the day comes around. So uh, what you can do is either increase the amount of willpower you have or you can reduce other things you're doing which require willpower. For example, if you've got a big monumental task that you want to do and you delay it to do something else productive, like say tidy your room, maybe you save that willpower, do the other task first, and then try the other one which you've built into more of a habit because you've done so many times. Uh, then the other option of trying to increase the amount of willpower you have, uh, there are a few ways you can do this. Uh, you can improve your sleep, you can get a better diet together. You can start meditating. You can start exercising. All of these activities increase your energy and increase the amount of willpower you have. However you plan on solving this problem, make sure it is realistic. Make sure it has a timeline and it is tangible and measurable. Just like the other goals, it is specific. Step five is the simplest to explain and the hardest to follow through on. You know your goals. You know the obstacles that are going to stop you getting there. You have a plan to handle these obstacles. You just need to show up every single day, no matter what, and make sure you execute. That concludes Ray Dalio. And now we're going to move on to Paul Tudor Jones, a hedge fund manager with an estimated net worth of $5.8 He famously predicted Black Monday, where the Dow Jones index lost almost 22% in one day. He is known for his obsession with risk control. Another trader who's been hugely successful. Whilst Dalio gave us insights into his thought processes, Jones gives us deep insights into his risk management practices. Edges in the market are found where others aren't looking, and most people overlook risk management because it's not a sexy topic. That's why it can be alpha for most people. Psychology and risk management, they're in the same boat here. If you're trading and investing with a long-term horizon, 
this could be one of the best decisions you ever make, and that's to make risk management your edge. Firstly, Paul Tudor Jones focuses more on cutting losses than taking profit. He's more concerned about capital preservation, and this is logical because your upside is unlimited. Your downside is limited. Once you lose 100%, you've lost everything, whereas you can always keep gaining. And if you understand the power of compounding, you know that over the long term, as long as you're consistently profitable, you're going to get wealthy. He puts stop losses in place not only with respect to price, but also with respect to time. And this is something I'm working on myself personally as well. I'm very good at reading the technical levels, but I do occasionally overlook the time aspect. For example, if a uh, price is at resistance right now, uh, you have your invalidation level, but how long are you willing to wait for that resistance to be broken? Uh, How long is the price going to consolidate under, with say, a bearish market structure before you decide that this resistance might not get broken and maybe I should take some profit? Aside from the actual implication of the time, there's also the opportunity cost of the time. Uh, When your capital is sitting doing nothing or consolidating, it could be in another asset that is outperforming it. Uh, Finally, Uh, Paul Tudor Jones stops all of his trading activities if he reaches double negative digits in a month. He believes that this will allow him to time tipping points in the market. This stays true to his philosophy of cutting losses and letting his winners run. Uh, By stopping his trading when he takes on such a big negative month, not only does he get to time the tipping points in the markets, but he also gets to control his own personal psychology. Just taking a break when you do encounter such market conditions can be very profitable long term by stopping you turning those double negative digits into even greater losses. Next, let's take a look at Ed Sakota. He was a pioneer of computerized trading systems. Uh, These systems have come to dominate trading in legacy markets and they're designed to trade off the back of headlines and technical levels much faster than any human could hope to compete with. Uh, Understanding the thinking behind these systems will hopefully help us become more profitable traders. So Edward never risked more than 5% of his equity in any one trade. Of course, there were instances where he lost more than 5%, events where the price gapped and missed his stop loss level. But in general, he stuck to this extremely tight rule. For traders with smaller portfolios, and um, small is a relative term, it really depends on your earning power. If you're earning $100,000 a year, then a $1,000 portfolio isn't going to be much to you. But if you're earning $20,000 a year, maybe a $1,000 portfolio is a lot to you. So whatever a small portfolio is, then it may make sense to take on more than 5% risk. In general, risk and reward are correlated, so it makes sense sometimes to play smaller portfolios with extremely aggressive strategies, uh, but then transition out of these hyper-aggressive strategies when you reach the higher, higher end of the tail curve with regards to your results. When interviewed once, Ed was asked what the key components to good trading are, and he gave three responses. Cutting losses, cutting losses, and cutting losses was seeing a repeated theme here. The world's greatest traders are very good at managing risk. This is what allows them to survive in the game for so long. They know that upside will take care of itself as long as we continually take on controlled risk. 
Another interesting statement that Ed said during the interview, everyone gets exactly what they want out of the market. This is a testament to personal drive and ambition. Winners in the market are those who genuinely want to win and are prepared to put in the work into their constant education, growth and development. The idea is that if you give up on your goal before reaching it, you never truly wanted it in the first place. And that is the real goal itself. Trading is one of the most competitive games in the world. To acquire and then keep your edge requires an extreme amount of dedication, work and consistent improvement that most people underestimate and overlook. Finally, we're going to look at Michael Marcus, a student of Sekota who managed to turn $30,000 into $80 million. Uh, This is an impressive feat in any market, but let's not forget that during that period of history, $80 million is worth a lot more than it is today. The important point that Marcus stressed was that you need to make your own decisions. I've never met a trader who's made his fortune copying someone else's exact trading style or following signals. And the biggest reason for this is uh, you're making it very difficult for yourself to stay consistent. Because if you're copying someone else's signals, then firstly, you're sacrificing all control over the outcome, um, putting your faith entirely in someone else. Uh, What if they stop sharing their signals with you? What if they lose their edge? What if they're going through a personal crisis which makes it so uh, they make some stupid trading mistakes? You expose yourselves to all these risks which are out of your control. Then on the other hand, um, if you blindly copy someone else's trading style and you don't understand the underlying hypotheses, when the market conditions change, you won't know how to change your trading systems. If you take multiple losses in a row and you don't understand why that's happening or whether or not you should continue to use this trading style, then you won't be able to stick to it consistently. Drawdowns are a part of the game and they're very emotionally taxing. And if you don't have a belief in the underlying data and hypotheses behind your system, you're not going to be able to stick to it. Marcus said that the best trades are the ones in which you have all three things going for you. Fundamentals, technicals and market tone. Personally, I refer to market tone as narrative and we talk about it all the time. Technicals mean that the charts are in your favor. Fundamentals mean that it's a decent underlying project. Hopefully there's a good team behind it as well. And now the key one, which most people miss is market tone. If the narrative is not in your favor and the asset you're trying to invest in is not hot, the majority of people are not going to flow capital into it and therefore it's not going to produce exceptional results. Right now in crypto, strong narratives are exchange tokens, DeFi, NFTs, any projects around these that also have technicals and fundamentals outperform everything else in the crypto markets. So what can you actionably do to take advantage of this? Put the time in to learn technical analysis. Master it, specialize in it, and learn to make money from it. Or if you prefer, do fundamental analysis. Really spend your time researching and learning how to evaluate um, projects on a fundamental basis. The reason I'm stressing to do one first is to master and then bring in the others to complement whichever you're best at. My personal edge began with technical analysis. That's what I was best at. 
Then a lot of my mentors I saw succeeding through fundamental analysis. So I identified as a personal weak point and I hired a team of researchers to help me stay up to date with what's going on there. Then to keep in line with market tone, I started my podcast. My co- podcast makes it, this podcast here makes it so I can chat to the greatest minds in the space and know exactly what they're interested in, what projects they're working on and what they're trying to do. And this keeps me in tune with the market. Don't forget to subscribe to the Market Meditations newsletter. That's me and my team of researchers sharing all the fundamental and market news that you need to worry about, as well as early access to my podcast so you can stay up to date with what the greatest minds in the space are thinking as well. And that concludes the deep dive into all of these traders' mindsets. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to trading. All of these incredible traders had wildly different lessons and strategies that they used to achieve their success. Each trader has their own style. Looking back on the traders and what they've spoken about, here are the key takeaways. From Ray Dalio, really hone in on his five-step process because while it sounds simple and obvious uh, the deliberateness behind it and the systematic process can really help a lot of people tackle obstacles that they're struggling with Paul Tudor Jones highlighted the importance of risk management specifically with regards to taking into account time during your trade not just the price but also the amount of time the price does a certain thing for on top of that opportunity cost is often forgotten about so what if your coin is going to pump at some point if everything else is pumping while your asset is doing absolutely nothing and underperforming the market Ed Sakota next was the second trader to highlight the importance of risk management sharing with us his 5% rule and drawing attention to slippage Michael Marcus stressed the importance of creating your own style that you can stand behind with conviction and also combining the trio of technical analysis, fundamental analysis and the market tone or as I like to call it, narrative. Meditators, I absolutely adored recording this episode of the podcast. Uh, I had a huge amount of fun researching these traders, learned a whole bunch myself and hope you did as well. This episode was a part of my weekly series that I record to help share trading knowledge. Check out the other episodes for more content like this.